0: You're listening to the Say So Podcast. I'm your host, Jeannie Terry. Have a listen. I am interviewing Lisa Carter, and she talks about all things anxiety. Who is experiencing any kind of anxiety right now with all this pandemic going on? Maybe you, maybe someone you know. Please share this if there is someone you think that this podcast episode could help. Meanwhile, listen for my son screaming in the background, a dump truck driving by, and me typing on my computer. If you can spot all those three things, I'm sure you're listening intently. Oh, I love podcasting. All right, enough about me. On to Lisa. You're going to love her. You're listening to the Say So Podcast. Today, I got the pleasure of talking with one of my very good friends, Lisa Carter, Now, Lisa is a former missionary in Central West West Africa. She's the mother of three precious boys turned pastor's wife and stay-at-home disciple-maker chasing the kingdom of God, not the American dream. She is looking for truth, beauty, and goodness in a messy world with a yearning to connect and create over consume. Welcome to the Say So Podcast, Lisa.
1: Hi, Jeannie. So good to see you and hear you again.
0: So good to be with you, Lisa. How are you and your family doing through the, the COVID-19 pandemic? We might as well just start off right there. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> uh, we are actually well. Um, I would say we definitely feel the sting of the isolation and somewhat of the loneliness and missing our friends and our church family. But um, I have to say that it's actually been surprising how, in an unlikely or unexpected way, um, God has really been showing up in a powerful way in our family. Um, the last year, I would say, the 2019 has probably been one of the harder years of my life, um, as you know, Jeannie. I took my mom to live with us, and she was taken by Parkinson's and Lewy body disease. So I had her with me for a year and juggling three kids, one homeschooling, one with autism at a special school called Puzzle Box Academy in Palm Bay, and one at Coastal Community School, a hybrid school, especially with her, but also with my son with autism, we've had a really hard year. Uh, autism definitely has brought an element to my life that I didn't expect. Our sweet little boy who had been making so much progress over these uh, last few years um, with his interventions with behavioral therapy and the special school that he was in just had a really difficult year. Um, this year we changed schools within the same company, but a different school and a lot more challenges. And he just really regressed and kind of pulled within himself. And we just couldn't get him out. He couldn't, he wouldn't speak as much. He was just a bundle of anxiety and very resistant to change and just resorting to a lot of maladaptive behaviors. And I would just be every night and every morning on my knees just praying to the Lord God show me what we need to do how can I reach my son Mm. how can we get him back how can we help him progress more again and I felt something in my heart Um, just I'm a homeschooler and I absolutely love it and my middle one is still with me at home and it's a joy to homeschool him and I thought all along I always thought I'm not going to be able to homeschool Tristan I don't know enough about autism I'm just gonna need more respite if I want the freedom I'm gonna to have to send him to a school where they know about autism but this just didn't seem to be working this year and he was just suffering and God just was stirring in my heart saying you need to take him home mm. need to take him home so a pandemic <laughs> strikes and my my god just made that happen without my choice, without me giving in, and Jeannie, I cannot tell you what is happening. I mean, I'm looking out the window right now from my bedroom, the only place I can get quiet, <laughs> and watching him swing with the biggest smile on his face, mm. and just a piece over him that I've never seen, even when he was thriving the most, just the peace, the engagement, the openness. The speech is just, he's just coming alive like I've never seen. The other day, he was coloring and doing some artwork, which he enjoys. And I just heard his little voice singing, joy, 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 down in my soul. He was no singing it? He was singing it? He was it? singing that. Oh. Yes. No one sang it. No one was talking about it. He got in Sunday school, obviously, with the lockdown. And he just started singing that. And it just touched my heart so much that... As he has peaceful, this new life with more peaceful rhythms and a slower cadence and just less hustle and pressure and therapies and running from this to that. He just could become so peaceful that he's able to learn and he's able to be and able to engage so much better with us. And it's been such a try. I'm thankful, obviously, for COVID and the impact on so many people in the world but this experience with Tristan is just mind-boggling really and God has done some amazing miracles in my life before but this is definitely one of those that I'm just so grateful for and I know it was Him but I know as I pray that you know literally every single morning please God I have no idea what's going on but do something to help my son reading James where it says That if we ask, He will give us wisdom and feeling, almost like He was sort of giving the wisdom to know what to do. But I needed the courage, and I needed the
0: faith, and God just made it happen. (laughs) That's so amazing. Um, Have you? uh, I want to ask you: Have you? You said that He He's smiling while He's on the swing now, and you say that He's you've seen a piece come over him like never before and that he's singing are these things that you had witnessed in him before or are these all new
1: no really not really I mean he definitely was talking better before this difficult you know last seven or eight months he was talking well and he had moments of engagement and smiling and laughing of course but most of the time I just felt this sort of compoundedness almost like he was just closed up and tensed up but this kind of relaxed demeanor and freedom and openness to engage and the smiles and he would sing but not as much not as much as his um, even the swinging I call
0: it swinging for joy <laughs> whenever he feels like he's maybe his he needs
1: that sensory input as like most kids would uh, need or just that fresh air or the freedom. I'm feeling like he's reaching for the sky but whenever he needs it, he'll go out and swing and just mm-hmm. smile and let it lay his head back and let the, the wind blow through his hair and it's just beautiful. It really is. I've been actually watching him. I'll, I'm kind of getting his wealth and at his pace and I've followed him around and written stuff down and actually videotaped And taking pictures just to kind of have a log or a memory of what's happening and just to observe him. And I think entering into his slow and simple observant pace has changed me too and just helped me to slow down and help me see things
0: that I don't normally see myself. Absolutely. I do think that this, the pandemic has brought us all to a, or most of us to a slower pace and to be a little bit more observant. And what's interesting to me is that you called, you know, you described him as what you noticed him being bound up is now you're seeing more freedom. And it's interesting to me that we are now more than ever bound up physically, but it's almost as if this has caused a freedom within him. And I am yeah. so excited that you are witnessing this for yourself firsthand. And I've seen some of your Facebook posts. And one of the ones that really touched me recently was the one where he was hugging you. You were holding him. And all I could see was the back of your head and his arms wrapped around you. I, It brought tears to my eyes, Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: amazing because as an autism mother, I, you long for that. I mean, you long for your child to say, I love you. To hug you, to look in your eyes. I mean, you you assume that when you have neurotypical children. Like, I would never expect that Jackson or Kenyon wouldn't mm. want to hug me in it. Well, Kenyon a little less now that he's a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> they would want a hug. You know, they would even initiate a hug. But with autism, you wait and you wait and you wait. And normally, you don't get them that often, depending. I mean, it's a spectrum. So it's right. all different. Right, right. Tristan, um, yes, as he's been kind of coming alive, and his his true self has come out in a sense. He's been so much more affectionate, and it's been so beautiful. Just the hug last night, he was cuddling with me on the sofa, and giggling,
0: oh, man. giving me good eye contact, and it's truly just a beautiful gift. It sounds and like you're I living. It sounds like for sure. Yeah. It sounds like you're really living the life now, Lisa. I mean, in, in, yeah. in the midst of these circumstances, it's actually brought yeah. out so much peace and joy yeah. and love within yeah. your sweet family. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, um, I thank you for sharing that. That's, um, something that we don't get to hear about every day. And, um, so I appreciate your transparency and your vulnerability speaking to us about that. And I just pray that this is just the beginning of the changes that you're gonna see in your son Tristan. I truly do, Lisa. Yeah, yeah. And I do want to talk about um an issue that I think is super relevant considering the uncertainty of the times, and that is anxiety. And you've opened up to me a little bit about your battle with anxiety over the years. Can we talk about that? And I actually want to know sure. where it started in your life.
1: Sure. Well, um, I was born on Mother's Day and I won't tell you how
0: long
1: it was. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was a very an unintentional and unexpected gift I was to my unprepared young mother.
0: Oh, surprise. Um, then, you were surprised? Yes, I okay, was a surprise.
1: Definitely not to God, but to my mother and my father <laughs> I was definitely unintentional and unexpected gift. Um, and my mother was definitely unprepared, she was 19 years old and she was an only child uh, very sheltered and in the midst of the civil rights movement, the hippie movement and definitely got swept up into that, she was a rebel, she actually got kicked out of the school for not wearing a bra, but mm. wearing pants because okay. you weren't allowed to wear you weren't allowed to wear pants <laughs> you had to wear a bra obviously, and you couldn't wear pants because women were supposed to wear skirts, and she actually got expelled from school for that, but that wasn't the worst of it. She also got swept up into the drug movement as well, um, which my dad did as well, and he was a Vietnam veteran, a young man, and he was also young, and saw too many things that a young man shouldn't see and experience if he had in Vietnam. But also, my mother, um, to add to that as well, she was from a long line of women who suffered from mental health issues. She herself struggled with depression or anxiety. My grandma, Ruthie did, her mom. Mm -hmm. She um, was agoraphobic, so she actually never left her house or a car um, because she was so afraid of having panic attacks in public places. Wow. She pretty much finished her life um, just staying in, inside or in the car. My mother would drive her around. and So she struggled with that, and her um, grandmother as well struggled with anxiety and depression and actually killed herself. So that's mm-hmm. the line of that I came from, some woman, and that was my mother's battle, but just that and the drugs, and the alcohol, and just the times, and the youth, and all that, I definitely came into a tumultuous situation, just kind of dropped into mm. a world of chaos, but surprisingly, I found so many ways to, to cope, and also, not in the long run, not healthy, but at the time, kept me strong and intact, and I remember this, um, Image every time I think of my childhood, I particularly think of this one image of just, I loved, and I still love the classical clip, person, and I almost like it with Jason, would. I just love the idea of being tucked in. And what I do then when I was a little girl was I tuck myself into the corner of my bed and just hide myself with a little barrier of my little stuffies, a mm-hmm. big stuffy <laughs> all around me, my stuffed animals. So that was kind of like my physical hiding place. But spiritually and emotionally as well, I built a lot of hiding places. Just, you know, the illusion of control and security. And I would just kind of build over walls and just um, a hiding place of false self that I was the good girl, the perfect girl never made, you know, mistakes, I guess, or, ooh, I never did anything bad, those kind of things gave me that sense of that false life, that sense of control, and that control and desire for that control and all that chaos was what I think triggered a lot of the anxiety because the world is really not controllable, obviously.
0: You're absolutely right, Lisa. Um, I want to ask you: When did you start learning these coping skills? I know you probably didn't think what you were doing was called coping skills, but at what age were you building like a fortress of pillows and stuffed animals around you and and trying to control your world? Yeah, I think it started quite quite young. um, That,
1: those, you know, when I would be with my stuffed animals when I when I was really young, and then as I started to grow well into my teens, it became, um, you know, being a good girl that everyone loved, that got straight A's, that did everything right, and it was within those years that I actually um, had a life-altering experience where I met the Lord, and that began to change kind of how
0: I saw myself, how I saw the world, how- and I still grappled with those
1: things, but God started doing His work, work, transforming work.
0: How did you meet the Lord?
1: Well, uh, all along during this crazy time, um, I had a grandmother, um, and her name was Mary, actually married to, no joke, Joseph. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Mary and Joseph um, were really strong believers. They were immigrants from the Cape Verde Islands and loved the Lord, and we're in a little church plant in our town, and just prayed and prayed and prayed for all of their children, including my dad, to turn from their ways and turn back to the Lord and follow after Him. And both of them actually passed away um, when I was an early teen. Mm. And in that time, my dad actually probably hit what we addicts would call, a rock-bottom kind of experience. He has had so many drunk and diving in accidents uh, that he was required to go to AA. Mm-hmm. So in his AA meetings, he would hear about the higher power, and it just sort of brought him back to thinking about God again. And then with his parents dying, and they were such pillars of his church, him and his brother's started going back to church and my dad brought me along with him and my mom and my younger brother and it was there really that I heard the news, the good news of Jesus and how he died for my sins and how God wanted a relationship with me but it started really without a complete understanding of the truth, it was just more of a tangible experience which was kind of is kind of unique, like the truth was after God just literally kind of pulled me into a relationship. We were at our church, um, a little Baptist church in Rhode Island, and the pastor gave the message, which honestly, I can't even remember a word of it, but <laughs> he gave the altar call, which of Baptists call the altar call, which at the end of every message almost, they would give the call for whoever believed in the message and the gospel to come up and whoever wanted to receive Jesus to come up forward and receive Jesus and he pray over us mm-hmm. and that was begin our walk so he gave the altar call this one week and I was about 15 years old and I'm in there and I just couldn't, cannot deny like the physical sense of God just pushing me
0: mm. and,
1: making me go up like I just couldn't deny that I'm not supposed to go up there I just felt something in me you need to go up there you need to go up there so
0: did you there. did did you tell your yeah. parents or like take a, a sibling that's with you surprising. how did that what that look like
1: yeah that's a surprising thing As I went up there I got on my knees you get on your knees and I looked to the side of me and my parents were up there with me wow they went up as well so all three of us and my uncle told us it was so many people, not only my grandparents, but other people in the church had been praying for it. My maiden name is Faria. And many of them had been praying for the Faria boys and, and girls to come back to the Lord. And so my uncle had already come and he was watching us three up there. And he said, because it's, it's an old, cute little quaint old Baptist church with stained windows, stained glass windows. And the sun coming through kind of made this, like, radiant light just shine right down on us three. Mm. And my uncle said, he will never forget that day. And I obviously <laughs> won't forget that day. But that was the day, too, that my mother and father, well, my father particularly, was just instantly delivered. Just never did, never had a cigarette, a single drug, a drink of alcohol. His whole person changed. hmm He became soft. He became a servant leader. He loved people. I mean, before he was just an addict, like a workaholic. He did well in work, but in his addiction, he would get so angry and just pretty much mean often and just the softness that came about as God took hold of his life. And then my mother had to go to rehab. She wasn't instantly changed, but when she came back, the three of us were discipled, and that's when I really learned truth. Um, my pastor, um, growing up, who went to the same seminary that I eventually go to, just had such a good discipleship program and just really walked me through theology, through the Word, and just gave me such a solid foundation um, to walk on from there. So then, I mean, just the idea of, at the beginning, just the idea that I was not navigating this crazy, messy, complex world by myself like I felt. Mm-hmm. As a little girl and my parents weren't there for me, and this world is just out of control. And But yet I have to kind of raise myself and my brother in a sense just to know that there was a sovereign God, that this loving, wise, good God was in control of the world and he was taking care of me, that I wasn't on my own. it was just so attractive and reassuring to me as I first came to know him. It's just the idea of grace was mind-boggling because I was such a perfectionist that to think that God would love me even though I made mistakes and I was weak and I was imperfect and messy. Just that grace was what drew me. And I think seeing the power right away of what God can do. I mean, this family was a mess and God just totally changed them, has set a foundation for me, I think, in terms of this faith, um, knowing that God is real, He's powerful, He's at work, He transforms even the ugliest, messy yeah. dysfunctional things. God has power over them, you know, just that, I think, really, really set me off on in my walk and began to transform that anxiety. But I think truth, sometimes we have truth. Well, we, this is pretty much, I think, sanctification, but we have the truth often, but we need to be controlled and gripped by it. And a lot of times God has to do deep work to do that. Yeah. You know, to, to make that truth take hold more and more. Yeah, I mean yeah,
0: Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. You can go. I was just gonna say that when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we become immediately saved. We get the His Spirit inside of us, but there is a process that, you know, you know, yeah. sometimes we're not immediately transformed. We do have a new nature. Our old nature has passed. We have, you know, died with Christ and and risen from the dead as as Jesus did. Um, and that's immediately at the time of salvation, yeah. but there is this process, you know, yeah. of the sanctification of the sanctification and and knowledge, and you know, just being transformed by the renewing of our mind and getting in a, agreement with the truth, which is God's word, and yeah. so it's just. It's, I can't imagine being 15 years old and you being like, what just happened? Like yeah. You witnessed your dad go from a certain personality and behavior to something completely different. I love that uh, his mom and the family were praying for him and his family to come to Christ, and they got to watch it before their very eyes. I mean, they were like yeah. – I'm sure they were just smitten. I mean, it even says that uh, when one – uh sinner comes to the Lord, heaven rejoices just for that yeah. one. So I love it when it happens in multiples and it was you and your mom and your father. That's just beautiful. And I wanna ask you, you know, you're talking about grace and, and how God loves you even if you're not perfect. Um and you had, you had mentioned when you were a little girl that you needed to be perfect and, and get the good grades. Do you think at the time when you were a child, you were striving for the attention or the affection or the approval of your parents. Why did you take on that good girl, perfection, control kind of persona? Do you remember?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, for two, two main reasons, I, was, I think. One was just because I observed what they were and what the consequences of, of their choices and their lifestyle. So I didn't want that. So I saw how it is to choose, like, the messy life, the dysfunctional choices that they made. I watched that and said, I will not be like that. You know, so especially, particularly, like, with a woman, I think. I watched my mother, how she was when I was growing up, and I said, I won't be like that. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to have it together. I'm going to have such a good education. I'm going to be successful and independent and strong and all that. So, I mean, I think it was sort of a rebellion against what I didn't want to be Mm -hmm. and then it was also because I realized I think a lot of times when we take on these false personas um, it was because I saw that that gave me somewhat of what I wanted as well like love and attention and stuff so as I saw you know it would get me attention at school or with friends or in the home and stuff being a good girl sort of got me what I wanted, you know, that sense that people would look at me, respect me, mm-hmm. loved me, so I sort of took on that, and the interesting thing is, like, you know, you were talking about the messy process of sanctification, and a lot of times we think of sanctification or, like, a process of transformation as God adding things, you know, which is, he's, he's building perseverance, he's building faith, he's building more Christ-like qualities, but it's also a process of taking away and breaking down and removing. And Mm -hmm. I think that that process, what realizing those hiding places and those things I depended on and the person that I was trying to be, um, that's how God sort of has transformed me by shaking those up. Like I I call them divine disruptions where he just kind of, Takes the illusion of control and it slips away. Like he leads me into places and seasons where an anxious person would never want to go on their own. Where all I can do is depend on him. And it's in those kind of shaky ground times, like the earthquakes, divine disruptions of life, is where that facade kind of broke down before I even realized that I was doing those things and not depending on God as much. And as those situations come in. The faith is built more. It's sort of like the goldsmith when, you know, the purification of gold, that there has to be a consuming fire for the impurities to come up, rise up. And I think as those those kind of situations, those divine disruptions come in, these impurities came up and I began to see, like, oh, I've been doing this all my life. I've been doing this all my life and this is not bringing me close to the Lord, but bringing me away from
0: him and away from my true self in him. Lisa, you're amazing. You just said, like, a mouthful, and I've got a ton of questions. Are you ready? Okay, okay. This is my part. <laughs> this, this, is, this is where I ask all the questions, right? Because you are just...
1: Yeah, I'm just
0: you i good at that. Well, you, you just brought up so much in just, like, a minute of spe- speaking, and I'm just, like, I'm over here just... L- it's like a, it's a divine laughter inside because I'm just, I'm just in, in awe. And I'm just so thankful about what is coming out of your mouth right now. And I just want to go back to this illusion. You, you talk about an illusion of control. So I feel like it's almost in a sense, you're saying that you were on autopilot. You thought you were in control, but really in reality, you were nervous as, as heck. This was an anxious person trying yeah. to control, trying to control her surroundings. When inside, she was just a ball of mess, a big ball of anxiety. Can you talk about? Can you talk about this illusion of control? And I and and then I want to go on to this uh, the earthquakes, the divine disruptions. I love that, Lisa. So, but let's start with this control. What? It, tell us what Lisa looks like when she's even if it's, you know, back in her ch- childhood years, I mean, I, it sounds like the sense of control was building a fortress around you in your bed, tucking yourself into the corner. But as she got older, what was Lisa doing?
1: Yeah, I think, because um, honestly, maybe, I think, you know, there are times that always, like we're kind of like onions where we can peel off layer, 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 layer. So like our whole lives will be kind of, I think will always be, dealing with some of these issues as so even to this day you know the illusion of control um even to the this very day is because I'm very much a researcher and a problem solver kind of so even with the the autism that's come into our lives like with my son Sometimes the illusion of control can be like, I can control this. If I research this enough, if I figure out autism enough, if I figure him out, if I get him in the right therapies, if I get the right intervention, then, you know, so I sort of feel comfortable in that demeanor of feeling like I can do something about something okay. to make things better. Okay. So that that's something. I mean, when I was younger, it was... um if, I mean it even in, in the teen years sort of one of the the key you know one of the main characteristics of eating disorders is, is a desire for control and I struggle with that a little bit when I was um, in college in teen years just that because you feel like if I can control what I eat and my very source of life, then I really have control mm. that sense that perfectionism and control. Came in there, and I think um, it, it kind of shows its face in different ways and different seasons. And I could, I think, even now, you know, it's still, I've come so far, and God has really worked on me in this, in this, and in a way, as we talked earlier, this has many blessings this time. But I could, you know, I can see that sometimes I'm getting disturbed or getting uncomfortable with the idea that I'm not. Enough in control. Like I need to know when things are going to open back up. What I'm going to do in you know in a few months. What are we going to do with educational for And I think all of that plays into it. You know, worry definitely is a desire for control. The so what if to help protect protect yourself. So if you can think through these what ifs, what if that, what if that, what if this, then. In a, in a sense, that helped me when I was little, because I was able to protect myself enough to be able to survive. Uh, thinking and worrying and analyzing and being in control as much as I could kept myself safe. But as I grew older, I started to realize that, that you know is no longer helpful. It's hindering. It can hinder relationships. It can hinder relationships with people, with the Lord. And it
0: just hinders who you truly are, you know, so if worry if worry is a you've said so much again, if worry is a desire for control what's what are what are what are we supposed to do instead of worry what have you what has God shown you? You know, if people say, well, I've got to worry about that, they're my children, or I have to worry about that, like, if I don't worry, I obviously don't care.
1: Yeah, that is that, that yeah, and that's what I thought, and I've actually, I've actually told Jason, too, it's just the way I am. Mm-hmm. I used to just, like, it's just the way I am. <laughs> he, he, would, he always says, you know, like, oh, it's not the way you are, it's because God can, just like my dad, the way he was, you can be transformed, it's, And if it isn't of God, you know, to be unnaturally concerned, we we know that we want to have normal concerns. Like right now with the coronavirus, we want to stay home. We want to wash our hands. We don't want to be having group gatherings. That's a concern. But worry is when we start to feel that we are in control too. And there's, um, there's a proverb proverb twenty five twenty eight that kind of describes to me it's like a picture of anxiety and worry it's actually supposed to be well from what I see from most translations is it's more of a description of a person who has an issue with temper mm-hmm. but I think it works really well with someone who worries a lot like me it says a man or woman in this case without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls I think sometimes in my life, um, I felt like the worries and the fears were enemies or terrorists attacking my brain. I just can't shut them off. They just, they just keep coming at me like, will my son ever talk? Will he be independent as an adult? What if we pass away and we leave him and there's no one to care for him? Or when we were in Africa, is someone gonna love us? Is one of our kids gonna get malaria? Or in LA, when I was in LA, You know, am I going to get murdered? (laughs) So many things can come constantly in your mind. And um, without the self-control, those things kind of take over. And before you know it, you just feel that in your body and your soul. You're anxious because you've allowed those worries to come in, to come into that fortress, that city
0: wall. So practically, though, you sense anxiety or you sense a a lie or or something attacking the fortress what do you do with that thought like what are some practical steps that you've learned what has God shown you to do in those moments
1: okay yeah Um, I think first for me in that situation and when you think of it as um, an attack on the fortress of your brain or your soul is first what I've learned is that you need to really identify and name that worry. Just because sometimes when you have so much going on in your brain, you sense it in your spirit or your, your body, even. Like, I can actually feel it, could feel the anxiety. Even when I was a little girl, I would have all these psychosymptomatic things going on in my body, and I wasn't quite aware of all the thoughts that were going on in my mind. So, I think it's important first to identify and name those worries. So, once you've identified and named that worry, Um, I don't know, maybe an example is that you're worrying about certain behaviors in your child and you're afraid that maybe they're not close to the Lord. So just identifying that worry. And then I would say also to what's even more important is to look at the lies behind it. And that, I mean, in that case, it might be that I have control. I mean, I can do the best. To present the gospel, to nurture my child, to disciple my child, but I'm not in control of his soul goddess. So then you look there, the lie behind that, and then you
0: defeat it with truth. So the lie li- So the lie is- I just want to understand you. So the worry is, um will my son was it talk?
1: Well, yeah, or I don't know. Yeah, in that case, we could talk about that with my son. Like, will my son ever talk? So that could be the worry. Okay. And then the lie behind that would would be that he can't be happy without talking. Or he won't be fully... I guess there's...
0: Right, I guess there's a lot of lies. Like there could be yeah. so many lies behind that, and I think everyone's lie is going yeah. to be different. It could yeah. be, yeah. it could be my life isn't supposed to be this way. This is about me. I'm yeah. not supposed to have yeah. an autistic son who's not speaking. Or like you said, will yeah. he be happy? Will people accept him? Yeah. Nobody's going to accept him. I mean, there's a ton Don't of lies. Need
1: to be happy, that's even the lie. There, do we need happy? Is is imperfect? Lesser is struggle. Can you be happy still? I mean, can you still have peace and joy even in the struggle? So there's so many lies that are behind a lot of these worries and these anxious thoughts that we have, I think. And some people have developed that habit because most of the things in our lives, I've I've realized, are habit-formed. So if your tendency is always to go to the what if, oh no, this isn't going to work out, This is the worst thing. If that's the habit and there are lies behind that, that God is not good, that you are not worth anything good coming to those kind of lies that kind of fuel those habits can be changed only by truth. And I've definitely seen that in a powerful way.
0: So let's talk about let's talk about some truths to those lies. What truth can we tell these lies? Because in our minds, maybe, like you're saying, this negative habit is our truth. Because like you told your your husband at one point, this is just who I am. This is just how I am. Yeah.
1: yeah. But that isn't true. Because the, the place that we find that truth is in the word. So that's where, I mean, that the word, what I've realized so much, I think probably above most out in this journey with struggles with anxiety is that the word has such power And that it says faith comes from hearing the word and fear and worry and anxiety are you know the antithesis to fear to faith and to so if we're feeding ourselves with these lies and these worries and all that then we're going to be anxious if we're feeding our minds with the word then we'll be able to battle it. And I've seen that so much in, in my experience. And it, it began, I'll, I'll just share a quick little story of how I, how I started with um, realizing how powerful the word is against anxiety and fear. I was, I was uh, a young adult and God sent me, well, I, I went to um, South Central LA um, in the gang neighborhood. Right after, probably in the 90s, probably right after the riots happened there. Mm-hmm. Just a little nature-loving, homebody, New England girl. I was <laughs> all by myself in this dangerous concrete jungle there. And I actually lived in on an apartment in a, in a crypt neighborhood. That's the gang that I lived in. But I lived with a drug dealer living on top of me, like his apartment was above me. And alongside of my bedroom window with bars up, nicely was a crack alley. So we had, like, homeless people going up and down, and could hear their shopping carts just rattling along there, and the police helicopters circling about. So obviously for an anxious little sheltered New England girl, um, this was absolutely terrifying. And I think before I went, I never knew the power of the word of God to transform Mm. you and give you peace as much as I did in this experience. Right as I left, I remember my church was sending me off, and my pastor read Joshua 1-9 or recited Joshua 1-9 to me. And it says, I have not not commanded, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Mm. So I went with that. And at first, you know, I would just meditate on it and be like, oh, yeah, right, <laughs> I'm going to be afraid. But <laughs> so I honestly had that this, this truth and so many other verses, um, probably the most, one of the most powerful ones, because, and you'll see why it was so important to me, was Psalm 32, 7. And it says, God is our hiding place. Mm. He protects us from trouble and surrounds us with songs of deliverance. So this verse, these verses... Psalm ninety-one, Psalm thirty-four. Seek the Lord, and He'll deliver you from your fears. I mean, notebooks. I literally would write notebooks of verses and just meditate, meditate, meditate. And this complete anxious spirit just completely was transformed, and so peaceful that I had no fear. I mean, just there was no fear.
0: I like. like
1: I traded the cares for this trans for this. Um, supernatural peace and it was totally from the word and the truth that was spoken and the faith that was built up from his word.
0: I like how you say the spirit of anxiety because it is a spirit a close relative of the spirit of fear. And the Bible says that God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of boldness, power, and a sound mind. And I feel like there might be someone listening like, yeah, right, lady. Um, how do you, you're living in a crack, you're in the crypt neighborhood, and how are you feeling peaceful when you're hearing clanging of Um, grocery carts and you got a drug dealer living up ahead of you and there's helicopter. I mean, with all that stimulation and that noise, like you've got to be surrounded by fear. You, how how are you just getting into the word and reading your Bible and coming up with all these scriptures and how, you know, and meditating on those and repeating them? Does that, I mean, how practical is that? Like, you're going to tell me that that works. I feel like there might be someone listening to, to be just like, there's no way that works. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I would probably
1: say that I would have thought the same thing before. and even when I've experienced it myself, later on, I'd be I still might doubt that the word could transform that God could transform my fearful self. But I can tell you <laughs> from this experience that I went in there and was and starting off there a scared, terrified really I mean I barely could sleep or anything just so fearful all the time to one with peace and I don't know how it happened that the word does say faith comes from hearing the word and I think that just meditating listening to that word reading it reading it reading it just really did transform my spirit and and it really does have power I think that in combination obviously with prayer as well and I think prayer in the prayer aspect we can think you know um going going before him with more honesty too I think I don't know how to say it but sometimes that youth we think you know just don't don't even tell God what you're thinking, but I went Whoa. before him at that time, just really honestly my God, I'm terrified I can't stand it here why do you have me here I'm coming from beautiful Rhode Island where there's beaches and trees beautiful, you know, forest and I've got this little hometown and everything's safe, and here I am in this gang ridden dangerous dark, cement concrete jungle here and where are you? So even just coming before him with that honesty and the word together in combination and asking him to transform you because really, I, I don't know, I don't, I'm sure that there are methods and there have been people who have overcome anxiety in other ways, but honestly for me I can't imagine because it's so embedded and it's so powerful and it's part of our flesh that you could do it without Depending on the spirit of God to do it, and I could see that He is so powerful. Just like He delivered my parents from addiction, mm-hmm. He and He hasn't totally. I wouldn't say that I still don't struggle with it, but He
0: is the one that's always helped me through it and brought me through it. You know, and just yeah, and I don't himself. yeah showed Himself absolutely. I don't doubt that at all. I don't know, you know. I'm I'm sure there's medication for anxiety and. Yeah. Uh, Which
1: I think is okay. And, right. you know, later on, later on. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It definitely has its place because even with my disposition, it was clear that I had that genetic disposition, and you know, with that in your background, it is also it's a lot of times a brain chemistry thing. But, right. Uh, definitely, I think too. Uh, um, as we talk about. The word and prayer and naming and keeping
0: captive your thoughts and mm-hmm. all
1: those kind of things mm-hmm. there's also the another experience or another weapon sort of that I discovered too in that situation and in that same situation in LA and also later even in Africa and just even in my life throughout from the here and on was also that um, gratitude is another weapon and I think in, in LA that's where again I saw it in a powerful way. As one one um, morning, as I said, I was just really being honest with God. Like I do not want to stay here. Please let me go home. This is terrifying. It's just so hard to wake up every day and do this work. And one morning I just prayed out, cried out to God about something very specific in me. Really, that you would think, oh, don't dare to pray that. But kind of silly but I just woke up one morning and said God I'm just so sick of looking at concrete like it's (laughs) just looking around and not seeing nature not Mm -hmm. seeing beauty and things that make me come alive because I'm a big naturalist Mm -hmm. um, which I love that's why I love living by the beach here but um that morning God you know I just prayed out and said "I, I can't do this if you don't Give me something, God, please. Give me some beauty. <laughs> <laughs> well, I woke up, I, I finished that prayer, went out my door, and my, you know, the whole, I lived right on the street in the crack, the paved uh, crack alley and all that. And out in front of my house or apartment, there was actually a teeny little patch of earth. And out of that grew one of my favorite flowers, a calla lily. Oh. This beautiful calla lily. It just popped out that I never noticed before, Wow! but it was there. So that I felt like in my spirit, like God, even when we think all things are bad and we're all anxious or we're right. discouraged, even when we're in a pandemic and we're stuck at home and all that kind of stuff, he is still there bringing beauty. And I think a lot of, in a lot of ways, seeing that and being grateful for that gratitude is another very powerful weapon. Even just God, even I was just reading, um, as I'm reading through the Bible again, Mm -hmm. I just noticed something from the burning bush, which is kind of weird, because I don't know how many times, obviously, as a Christian I've read that story, but I noticed more poignantly recently, when God, God put the burning, you know, he was there in the burning bush, but Moses wasn't spoken to from it until it says he turned and went to it or turned and looked at it Mm -hmm. then God spoke Mm. so that kind of hit me in connection with this kind of idea of the Calilite in the concrete jungle like there are so many beautiful We're always you know I get caught up in the the negative things or what ifs and what could happen and all that when God if I would just notice then he would be there you know I could notice the places where he was
0: well and um, And I think I like that you brought that up because right now with a lot of us slowing down, we're able to be, to find those, those spots where we have an opportunity. I mean, there's always an opportunity to be thankful and grateful and show our gratitude, but sometimes in a busy paced lifestyle or just neglect of looking around or not being intentional. Now we have the time, some of us to be more intentional about having a thankful heart.
1: Yeah, You know, and And
0: you're just... there's
1: Having those eyes to look. Yes. Because that transformed, actually, my experience there. I mean, I was ready to to leave, but then I saw that, and all of a sudden I had different eyes to see things. So I would go out and be like, Wow, God is really working on this boy, this gang member. Wow, look at that. I didn't see this. Oh, look at what God's doing. You know, that kind of thing that, like you say, even now... As we're home, I think a lot of people are beginning to see that, you know, see the beauty that's around them because we are slowing down, as you say. But sometimes we don't notice God there, a detail or a beautiful thing that he wants to show us. And then as we hunt and search after beauty around us and goodness and truth around us, that we don't have as much time to worry and focus.
0: I love that. I love that because when we're when we exchange worry for gratitude, it's like a an exchange for peace. And yeah. we are exchanging anxiety for peace, worry for for peace. Um and there's just so many instances in the Bible where God says, Cast your cares, you know, for yeah. he cares for you. And the minute you you know, a lot of people don't want to detach. They, you know, like you said, it's a habit. It's a formed habit of, well, if I don't worry, I don't care. That worry is like sitting in a rocking chair. You're doing a lot of work, but you're not going anywhere. You're just back and forth, back and forth in your rocking chair, but you're not really not doing any good. And I like how earlier you had mentioned that worry is a desire for control, and I feel like it that's a pride issue for sure. Yeah. Because we're wrapped up in the world of trying to do works like you were, you know, as a child. If I'm perfect, they'll yeah. like me. What can I do? What can I do? You know, and I feel like we're so wrapped up in obtaining the applause and the appreciation and the acceptance of our peers where even the Bible tells us if that's what you want, that's all you'll get. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it just it stops there. But what we want is we want the eternal glory and the, and the eternal Um, gifts from god but if we're focusing so much on worry that's again that goes back to us and we're making ourselves kind of like our little idols and our little gods and what can we do and and it stops our strength stops i think beyond our flesh we have no strength it's only when we accept god's holy spirit into us that we have we have now tapped into unlimited resources of what he has and I love how when you say, like, God, open my eyes to see what's around here. And he shows you this beautiful cat. I love the lily, by the way. Um, and when he <laughs> shows you that, it's like, uh, this is so worth it. It's what I'm doing is so worth it because I know you're here, God. I doubted yeah. when I first got here. I was so fearful and I was depending on my strength and, and, and me when all along I should have just counted on you and your strength. Yeah. yep, yeah.
1: yep. Yeah. Amen.
0: I love that. So so how do you find a scripture for your worry? Like it sounds like you had said, identify the worry, um, get the lie behind it. How do you find a scripture? If you can help us, you know, share your wisdom, you know, let's say I'm worrying about something and there's a lie. I've, You know, I've even heard about a, a woman who started a lie list and on one side of the page was yeah, all the lies she was. So tell us, how do yeah. you find a scripture? Like, is it, is it so easy? Do you just, or do you have to get a Strong's Concordance? Do you have to <laughs> ha- go to theology or seminary school?
1: Well, it's probably an individual thing. I mean, I personally, um, I personally find different lies and or different thoughts or even sins and things in my own personal life. I'll find them exposed as I'm in the Word daily you know, so like us in the mornings when I read the Word, it might come up, or, you know, throughout, mixed throughout um, my relational time with with the Lord, and just studying the Word. But I have actually done it more structured, like you said, when I was younger. I've actually listed out the lies, all the lies that were assaulting me and everything, and then um, put truth to it. um, And you know, search for it myself, but I think it would depend on the person and, and how you do that. But I actually I actually um have a list that I um, put for our church on our on Jason, my husband Jason's a pastor of Trinity Wall Springs Church and I just kinda wrote a blog post about anxiety and then just put a song and some scriptures
0: there. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so there are there's a list of scriptures there, but you can
1: also find because um, now there's like I said, I love chasing beauty, so I find a lot of beautiful lists and cards of scriptures. You can find them with different bloggers or online, and just kind of. I wish I could show you a picture of, them, but I have a bunch of cards with beautiful pictures and just um, typography and everything of different verses that minister to
0: me and that, and I'll just have you know those cards. Well, what I look at those or, what I'd like to do is, if it's okay with you, um, have a link on my show notes about um, what you did on your husband's church's website, and then maybe we yeah. could even link these cards that you're mentioning too, because uh, I don't. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah, think I'll try to find some because I've had so many over the years, and I wow. have a lot of. Um, there are a lot of. Companies now, Christian companies that produce really good Bible study materials and also scripture memorize memorization cards, then they can actually be thematic as well. So I have some cards like that that I I'll just go through and look. And mm-hmm. I think after after a while, um, it is more integrated into your life as you read. You know, different scriptures that you're reading each day will minister to a different area of your heart so that just kind of becomes naturally a part of it and then you sort of internalize and just memorize and meditate on these things and they become more a part of you so you don't have to chase after those verses particularly
0: Mm-hmm. I like that um,
1: be in his word and allow him to speak to whatever area he wants to speak to you in
0: in my personal journey, I've had to learn to trust God more. And I never looked at myself as being a controlling person or even having anxiety. When I would, when I would hear about other people saying they have anxiety, I'm like, what, what is that? What does that feel like? I don't even know what that is. And it wasn't until it it wasn't until I became a parent that I started experiencing it. And And I was like, what is this feeling? And then I was like, oh, okay, now I've got what I kind of like laughed at other people for having. Because I was young and when I would hear about anxiety, I'm like, what is that? Why do people have that? And so to actually have it, I was like, oh, gosh, thanks, thanks, here we go, you know. But um, what I did is I actually... I looked up all the places in the Bible where the word anxiety showed up and I would take specific yeah. scripture and write them out in my journal and then do like a, a soap, um, Bible study. So S is for scripture. I would write down the scripture verse that had anxiety in it. And then, O I would write what I observed about that scripture. And then the A is how can I apply this scripture practically in my life? Um, to my anxiety or to whatever feeling I was experiencing. And then P is the prayer. And I would just simply ask God to apply the scripture to me personally and show me practical ways of dealing with it. And I love how you um, said earlier about being in the word daily. I mean, how do you defeat lies if you don't know the truth? And the Bible is the ultimate truth. And I just want to read real quick Hebrews 4.12. This is from the Amplified Bible. Um, classic Bible version. And it says, For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, yep. energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, your soul, and the immortal spirit, and of joints and marrow, the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts. And purposes of the heart. And I just feel like that just speaks to what you were saying earlier. Like, my dad was transformed immediately. You had told, you tried to even feed your husband a lie. That's just the way I am. Well, this verse is telling you right here that God's word is way sharper than just who you think you are. And he's going to tell you the truth about you.
1: Yep. And himself, too. And everything.
0: I love it. Well, I think we we touched on a lot of practical tips and I'm for anxiety and I'm just so thankful that I was able to have you on today and and that you are as you're growing in the Lord, you're more free and more free from the thoughts of anxiety and and just the steps in the and the process that you took us through. Is there anything else that you wanted to add about about the the topic?
1: I don't think, the only thing I, I was thinking as, as we also um, search to know more of the truth about who we are and our experience and sanctification, I think, too, to focus more as we think vertically, I mean, as we think horizontally and all around us, we're showing, you know, we're looking for ways to be grateful for the people around us, for the things around us, and just, God's word about who we are and all that, I think probably even more importantly is the vertical gratitude, just about his character. And I think as I learn as I learn more more about his character, which comes from being in his word and the whole council of the whole word, just seeing who the we'll never fully know until we see him, but mm-hmm. just get a fuller picture of who he is. Right is Faith building you know you can put your trust in him because you
0: know who he is and he's trustworthy. Hmm. I love that. I like that. Thank you so much Lisa. I mean Thank you, We could go on and on. There's just you're such a a wealth of inf- information and knowledge and I so appreciate you being here and um we're going to put uh we're going to try to put any any links or anything that you mentioned in the show notes and I just right now I just I'm praying for you and your family and anyone that's listening that um you know I, I feel like th- the COVID-19 is uh, gonna be soon behind us and you know I don't know what our world or what things are gonna look like um on the other side of this but stay close to the God that we serve because he knows it right that's
1: right Thank you, Jeannie. You too. You're welcome.
0: Bye, Lisa. Bye. Well, that was amazing. I could talk to Lisa probably all day and then some. She had a lot of good advice for people experiencing anxiety, and I hope that this has blessed you. And if you know someone that this could bless, please pass it along. Please consider leaving me a review on iTunes sharing this episode with a friend, reaching out to me at email at gmail.com. Also consider subscribing to this podcast so you can catch all the new releases as they come. Next week, I'll be featuring Mrs. Antoinette Ferry, who is a local nurse practitioner, who is going to be sharing her expertise about women's health and the COVID-19 crisis. You won't want to miss it. Until next time, friends, cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Peace and blessings.